Twins. Yeah, salvage no. a game Save in one. the Metrodome. Yeah. The last game in the Metrodome. Thank you very much. Played between the two teams. Oh, well, okay, yes. But the Tigers <laughs> won't be back to the Metrodome anymore. Right. All right, well, that'll do it for today's Extra Points, our first Extra Points at the normal time. And we'll be back again next week, this week, Tuesday and Thursday. We have our daily sports reports at 5.15. And on Friday, three hours of sports talk. Game of the week, 7 to 10 p.m. Be sure to tune in to us then. But for now, for everyone in the studio, I'm Rushi Vias saying good night and go blue. Gives to Perry. Perry through the middle. Touchdown, Michigan. And the Wolverines have won it in overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24. And the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor. WCBN.org. On to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath Ann Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down. Kick is up. It's long enough. It's good. It's good. Michigan wins the game. Michigan shocks Washington. And the Wolverines are victorious. So you're calling to get my recipe for a tossed salad. I might add a little Hendrix, some dried cherries, some Miles Davis, some artichokes, some Bob Dylan, some peppers maybe, Elvis Costello, cactus, uh, Eugene Chadbourne, some walnuts. Patty Smith and prosciutto, Neil Young and some carrots and Joni Mitchell and some cabbage and Hank Williams and some figs and residents and some tomatoes. Wait, wait, we need some raccooter and pine nuts and some Lady Smith Black Mombazo and fresh Parmesan and, yeah, and Patsy Montana and shallots and, oh yeah, Esther Phillips and dry cherries. Help yourself to a serving of Vic and Mick's Tossed Salad every Wednesday from 6 to 9 a.m. right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yeah. Ticket, you're a homeboy under that hair. Dead gum television. Mr. Jaffa, I, uh, I can only say that I find your statement to be boorish. Uh, <clears throat>
You're listening to What Else But WCBN-FM in Ann Arbor, 88.3. Mamón, hijo puta, cabrón. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And the dust uh, settling about me, I'm Jim Dwyer. A bit of a mad rush to get yeah. into the room here tonight. We had a little mini crisis. We got <laughs> locked out of the studio inadvertently, and the keys were a missing. But uh, fortunately, our chief engineer Andrew rose to the occasion, and everybody's a little out of breath. But uh, the show must go on. Well, uh, kind of an interesting week of all sorts of events. Um, just a quick note, I hear that John Dean has a new uh, book out, an uh, updated version of Blind Ambition. Huh. He appeared on Keith Olbermann's uh, countdown show on Thursday night, which I happened to catch. Maybe it was Wednesday night, but regardless, uh, the book's out. And uh, in it, he reveals, according to his analysis of tapes, and as part of a lawsuit, I suspect he was counter or suing... Uh, the authors of Silent Coup, which uh, suggested that he was behind the Watergate affair, not Nixon. Anyway, uh, the mystery about what the burglars are after apparently has been revealed. And that was uh, Nixon, as usual, was looking for dirt that he figured was in the safe of Larry O'Brien. Uh, this has been previously speculated to involve possibly embar embarrassing uh, information regarding Nixon's illegal campaign uh, Re uh, uh, receiverships that he got from Howard Hughes, but uh, who of course gave to both parties. Yeah, he was a uh, famous uh, straddler of fences. And interestingly, if you read anything about Howard Hughes's bizarre uh, last sort of thirty years of his life, uh, he became obsessed with the nuclear issue out there in Vegas because he lived in one of the hotels, and he uh, definitely wanted to see nuclear testing ceased in Vegas because he became sort of a hypochondriac. Well, you don't need to be a hypochondriac to uh, be against nuclear testing, but uh, that's what it took. At that time, I think, probably America's richest man. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll be reading the uh, John Dean book uh, in probably upcoming weeks, because I think it's just out on the shelves in the bookstores. And uh, anyway, Nixon apparently was interested in possible illegal campaign uh, contributions that... Uh, after all, we're doing it. They're probably doing it, too. He wanted the dirt. He wanted the blackmail. And, of course, the ever-paranoid Richard Nixon, while apparently not giving a direct order uh, involving the break-in, wanted to see those documents. And, of course, the Watergate tapes revealed Nixon to be who he really was. A crook, <laughs> obsessed with power, and uh, a mighty scary fellow. In one of the tapes, by the way, he uh, sort of uh, uh, vicariously uh, suggests that they go into the Brookings Institute and blow up the safe. That's blow right. it up. Blow it up. And there seems to be like a little bit of a pregnant pause afterwards, which people sort of wait to 
perhaps for a laugh, you know, just just joking, yeah. saying what you'd think. But it appears to have been in earnest. So more on Nixon in upcoming shows. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll give out a brain damage award to Jimmy Carter. Uh, I think that Jimmy Carter is probably a little correct, and he, of course, is a candid man. Uh, but throwing this monkey wrench of race into this whole kind of silly uh, tangent regarding the uh, the healthcare debate, I think politically was a mistake. Uh, Obama doesn't want to be talking about this. The media, of course, is interested in it. And, of course, the right-wing media is very interested in it. But I think that it shows why Jimmy Carter was a one-term president. Tone deaf. And, of course, you know, Carter was just responding to a question that he was being asked at a forum somewhere, I think, uh, actually at, at his uh, center down in uh, uh, Georgia. And uh, we appreciate his candor, uh, but this is a tangent that Obama doesn't need at the moment. I think there is... But there's an element of truth. truth. That's the thing. And and maybe this is Carter's big failing is that uh, he sometimes does the right thing at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, For example, his late, you know, piece of conscience regarding uh, the Shah of Iran, who we we backed consistently, uh, and then only, you know, at the last minute wouldn't let him into the U.S. for emergency medical treatment. At that point, the damage had been done to America's credibility as far as the people of Iran were concerned, and his you know, support right up until the little bit too late last moment of uh, Somoza as well, even when Somoza was shooting his own people. So I think he's been our best ex-president, and uh, you know, his, uh, I don't know, he was treated pretty badly in the media and even by his own party regarding his uh, book published a year or two ago, uh, in which he denounced the Israeli occupation as essentially an apartheid mm-hmm. system, which, of course, many critics of the Israeli occupation have been saying for years. And, uh, you know, this was, was good for an ex-president, one who initiated a serious attempt at a Middle East uh, peace policy, bringing Sadat and Begin together. Um, uh, that, you know, was an important book, but I think the timing's off on this. I think after the legislation is put forward... And the debate, as it focuses strictly on the health care policies themselves are concerned, gets rolling. Then you can talk about the elements of racism that have appeared. And I think that's exactly why the right-wing uh, media is interested in it, is because there's a sort of a secret pleasure involved. I mean, if you listen to some of the placards <coughs> carried by... Uh, uh, at a rally in Washington last weekend, uh, a few days after uh, the president announced his health care plans, protesters bore placards featuring slogans including, quote, the zoo has an African lion while the White House has a lion African. And another placard read, uh, quote, somewhere in Kenya, a village is missing its teleprompter, close quote. Ooh, quite a zinger coming from the Republican camp where uh, George W. Bush couldn't think on his own feet. It was a, a miracle that he could even read a teleprompter. But um, there's an unsavory element to the, these sorts of criticisms, which you know have nothing to do with the policies themselves or politics at all. They're just sort of jokes uh, throwing in this whole, he's not an American, yeah. he's not an African-American, he's an African. And there are clearly, uh, without any doubt, uh, racist elements to the uh, protest movement regarding this. And But again... 
knowing why, that and saying that it's it doesn't do Obama any good now to bring this up because right. And it's obvious it's there. You know, allow the media to show the, the the racist elements of the protest groups, and they will sort of collapse of their own petard, so to speak. Um, but you know, once again, Carter's just being candid at a, yeah. at, a, at a different forum, probably with a different format, and was just asked a question and spoke off the cuff, and obviously it was a small distraction for a couple of days. Um, but then, of course, uh, getting back to the real issue of health care, in that debate, the uh, the mighty Max Baucus has finally revealed his bill, and of course, it's a dud. Um, Baucus has never been one of the brighter guys in the U.S. Senate, but it's been remarkable that he has represented the state of Montana for as long as he has. Hence his rise to this powerful position of the Finance Committee. Mighty Montana. Mighty Montana, which ironically has two uh, Democratic senators at the moment. And Montana's always had an element of progressivism to it. Uh, remember that uh, Mike Mansfield was uh, from Man Montana, hmm. and he was the long, long time. Early, early labor activism history out there. Too. Yeah, Democratic uh, majority leader, uh, a big opponent of the... Vietnam War, a uh, very mild, mild-mannered fellow. <clears throat> but um, this uh, Baucus plan, which obviously seems to have been written by the insurance industry, he's been the recipient of... He's Mr. Lobby, yeah. Something like $3 million of <coughs> campaign contributions. And while that may not sound like a lot of money here in Michigan, uh, that goes a long way in Montana. <laughs> and... Uh, what is troubling, of course, is the substance of, of the continuing problems. Obama's, and, you know, we'll see what happens. It sounds like Olympia Snow is at least uh, willing to uh, be open-minded on the trigger mechanism. That may end up being what we finally see coming out of the, uh, the conference committees and whatnot. But um, the Bacchus Bill uh, is, is a, a essentially a tax. It's, it's kind of crazy. It says the tax is meant to raise more than a quarter of the $774 billion needed to pay for the Bacchus plan. This according to Reed Abelson. But just as much, the tax is intended to discourage the overly generous coverage that many experts had uh, say has helped propel the country's reckless spending on medical care under the Bacchus plan. Insurers selling a plan costing more than $8,000 for an individual and $21,000 for a family would have to pay a 35% excise tax on the excess amount. Now, the Kaiser Family uh, Foundation notes that the national average premium is currently, and get this number, 13374 for a family policy, uh, presumably a family of four. And that gives you an idea of how absolutely ludicrous it is to claim that our health care system doesn't need to be repaired. Um, that is a significant amount of money. And when a family has to come up with over $1,000 a month uh, for health insurance under uh, many private plans, you know, you can start seeing that not many people can afford health insurance at those rates. And an individual. Or if so, they're not going to be buying cars and other yeah. consumer goods. Or they're going to have such high deductibles that if they actually need to use health insurance, it's going to be 
uh, exceedingly um, expensive. And um, one of the other bogus arguments that's been made repeatedly uh, regards this uh, regards this issue of rationing. We hear this word right. thrown around. In a recent study, according to Thomson Reuters, uh, and somehow I missed writing the date down on this uh, clipping, but I know uh, I'm guessing that it was came out several months ago in the business section of the New York Times, showing the. Um, the, how over the past year uh, there's been an increase of of up to 20% of respondents in a, in a poll have delayed or canceled health care treatment uh, because of its cost. Uh, this is up from 16% just three years ago. And um, Gee, that sounds like de facto rationing to me. It is. <laughs> and uh, th- this is uh, why people are postponing health care. Um, because of the increased cost, and uh, that's rather troubling um, that it would uh, go up that much in such a short period of time, but not terribly surprising because, you know, we've seen the graphs showing how health care costs have, have increased, uh, health insurance premiums have increased about 80% this decade under uh, President Bush for the most part, and uh, pay is just simply not keeping pace with this. And, of course, the numerous small businesses who cannot afford uh, health insurance uh, for their employees because of its incredibly high cost are simply either, you know, pushing uh, co-pays onto its employees or denying coverage altogether. So when Obama, you know, he did did the little media circus yesterday, I fortunately missed all of the interviews, but... uh, He's on the right target that something has to be done. And if, if you look at the way that a series of different systems kind of interlock around the issue or, or underneath the issue, even uh, since it's the primary focus at the moment of healthcare itself, uh, it becomes pretty evident that we need sweeping systematic uh, change here because when you've got a food system that subsidizes certain industries and monolithic uh, agricultural corporations to produce you know quantities of food that aren't necessarily that nutritious uh, then you have uh, wide scale increases in childhood obesity and diabetes and these unsafe and, and long term unhealthy uh, agricultural practices increase pesticide usage all these things are kind of interlocked, mm-hmm. and it's clearly not working. And so we need to address not simply health care, but look at the way that the food system, uh, the environmental approach to agriculture uh, can all be reconsidered and uh, we're just going to have to tear it up and start over again. Yeah, and, and for instance, the gas tax in America has not been raised since 1993. It's still something like 18.9%. Many European countries pay... F- their their health care that's subsidized by the government is paid with gas gas taxes. It's routinely four to five five and a half dollars uh, a quart. Yeah. yeah, and and you know some of these countries include countries like Norway and Britain, Netherlands, that, that are that are exporters of oil, so they don't need to uh, tax their uh, citizens at that high of a rate. But they've decided that this is an appropriate tax. Uh, to create the revenue. So, you know, when they're looking on this issue of generating revenue to pay for health care, um, you know, the tax on soda, 
I, you know, that sounds like it might work, but uh, on the other hand, that will create unnecessary opposition. How about cutting the subsidies? Right. For so, and that's exactly the it. production of the corn syrup. Right. Uh, in other words, make the soda more expensive through the marketplace, through the production. Right. So that that it's not. It can't be portrayed as a tax because what they're get what they're getting is they're getting a, a massive tax cut to keep the price artificially low. Well, then uh, you find out who the real free marketeers are. Sure, and if we haven't had an increase in the federal gas tax in um, what sixteen years, it's not unreasonable to expect you know a, a, an increase of a dime per gallon. That's not an onerous burden on the public. And by the way, that would have other benefits. Uh, to the American uh, economy as well as reducing global warming. This would obviously uh, be yet another encouragement to, to, to obtain more fuel-efficient vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that the um, lack of creativity is about the only thing that, that is, is really troubling at this point. Because Obama, you know, when he gave his speech a couple of weeks ago, pretty much outlined outlined in a, uh, a, quote, fundamental principle that he has that he will not, that this will be, quote, deficit neutral, that it will not contribute to the deficit. Well, come up with some sensible, um, quote, unquote, taxes to pay for the health care that offset some of the unhealthy subsidies that the government's already providing and take the Baucus plan, throw it back in the hopper, and... uh, you know, this is basically being attacked by all sorts of uh, Democrats. I think Howard Dean said it was <laughs> the worst health care reform bill he's seen in 50 years. Um, sounds like a disaster all the way across the board. And uh, I guess we will have to wait and see what happens. Well, as far as wait and see, a couple of interesting items about the future, quote unquote, question mark of uh, the Republican Party and within that party, the religious right. A recent uh, conservative convention in uh, D.C. at Washington Hotel hosted 1,800 Christian conservatives who called themselves the Values Voters Summit. The group is uh, excited by the recent outburst and vociferousness, no doubt, over the health care plan. But uh, one participant was quoted as saying, I came here for a shot in the arm in the midst of all this darkness. The Republican Party has abandoned its commitment to Christian values, and sure enough, they're not in office anymore. We need to clear the whole group out and start afresh. Well, <laughs> newsflash. Newsflash. <laughs> the Republicans are, are not in office because they had abandoned their commitment to Christian values. Uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, which Christian values are they talking about? Greed, right. violence, war, um, Bush, false witness. Bush uh, screwed up about as badly. Uh, you know, I, I think that history will definitely corroborate that he will go down in history as the worst president of all time. Interesting to see him last night, by the way, on television. Uh, I watched a little bit of the extravaganza out there in Dallas with the new uh, $1.2 billion stadium that has this oh my God. screen that's... Uh, I, I, I'm just curious if they're ever going to do an energy analysis of how much power that uh, television screen that apparently goes something like uh, 80 yards across the field in the wow. middle of the stadium 
uh, sucks up because uh, we're now learning that uh, flat panel TVs uh, suck up considerably more money, uh, considerably more electricity than your older uh, cathode rays style televisions. But Bush was at the game. He got to flip the coin. <laughs> He's uh, the decider. He was the decider for who won the toss. But that was about it. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, yeah, that's just bizarre, uh, but not surprising. I mean, no. that's the revisionist history. Never mind that Bush presided over the worst economic disaster since the Great Depression that we're still in the midst of. Never mind that... As we're now learning, uh, even now from uh, military generals, that the situation in Afghanistan has deteriorated. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, Bush, uh, of course, took his eye off the ball and decided he wanted to invade Iraq uh, at a cost of $1 trillion. So for those angry protesters with their placards and their racist uh, posters featuring Obama, uh I wonder when they're going to start paying for the Iraq war. Because even the Baucus plan, uh, which is basically $774 billion over 10 years, that's small potatoes compared to what that Iraq war has cost the United States government. Indeed. And the taxpayers. Well, and also uh, slightly related uh, entertainment uh, political news, uh, the former chief executive of the World Wrestling Entertainment League, that is the wife of Big Mouth Vince McMahon, Linda McMahon has announced she's going to run and seek the uh, Republican nomination in the midterm uh, 2010 elections to take Christopher Dodd's seat. And she says, I'm not a politician, I'm a businesswoman, but I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. Apparently, the last eight years, sitting on the sidelines was okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dodd is, uh, has, he's, of course, chairman of the banking committee, um, has been. Uh, there's a little bit of a debate as to whether he's actually going to switch chairmanships due to the uh, recent passing of, of Ted Kennedy, because he's been working on the health, the health bill as well uh, yeah. during Kennedy's absence. And Dodd, of course, has been sort of vicariously implicated in the uh, mortgage mess scandal because he apparently got a, a mortgage with favorable terms from one of the banks that was bailed out, and that's the big scandal. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dodd fights back and actually wins his seat. He's rumored to be the only Democrat incumbent that's, quote, in trouble in the Senate. So uh, we will see what we will see. But... Uh, you know, the the Dodd family goes way back in Connecticut, mm -hmm. and, of course, Connecticut has a kind of an unpredictable um, political history. You know, Lowell Weicker and the whole, when he switched parties and right. ran as an independent, Lieberman switching parties, and then after he lost the Democratic primary due to the Iraq War, and then he still held on to his seat. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, Lieberman uh, campaigns for Dodd or for... Vince the big wrestling committee person. Wife. I seem to remember that guy needs a little work on his toupee, so I don't know what his, <laughs> his wife looks like, but I just hope we see plenty of celebrity endorsements from wrestlers. That's right. Maybe uh Arnold can give out another celebrity endorsement. I don't know. Yeah, I think Arnold's gonna find himself on the outside looking in of his party eventually if this uh sort of ideological uh delusional oh christ will save us and uh, yeah of course bush was fine and it's obama who's ruined everything 
um, that's not a sound basis on which to build a future for any party. And, of course, the interesting thing about the polling data is despite all this ire and, you know, sort of pitchfork uh, populism, I guess is uh, one way that the mainstream media has characterized some of this nonsense. It hasn't helped the Republican Party. No. They're, I mean, they're down in the mid-20s still. And let's remember when uh, Dick Cheney left office, he was uh, even lower than Richard Nixon. He no was, mean feet. He was in the teens. And as for Newt, well, <laughs> I don't know. You know, Mike Huckabee, I guess, won the uh, the straw poll at that yes, indeed, big at the, convention. Uh, and Value uh, voters. Goma. Golly! <laughs> well, Sarah Palin, I think, received like 12% of their vote, but uh, and I don't she know didn't about you, but them with her Huckabee's gone off his diet. He was looking a little, yeah. I think, the marathons. <laughs> I don't think he's been running any marathons lately. He could be the new he hostess spokesman. Might be back uh, chowing down on burgers with Newt. You never know. You never know. Well... There's always a, a light uh, touch to the news, and sometimes we like to bring these uh, items. Uh, intrigued by this one just because of the name of the uh, the town involved. It's and I'm not sure exactly sure how you, how you pronounce this, but I think it's uh, Pui All Up, Washington. It says a small airplane dropping from the sky after its engine failed wound up. On a cushioning bunch of portable toilets, and the pilot was able to walk away unhurt. It says that uh, Gary Mayer of the FAA says that the Cessna 182 crashed Friday. This dated from the Associated Press, uh, 3rd of May, uh, after uh, taking off in Washington State from Thune Field, an air uh, field owned by uh, Pierce County, Southeast Tacoma. Sheriff spokesman Ed Turner said the plane was about 150 feet in the air when the engine quit. Whew. Saved by the Portageons. <laughs> Quick, look around for a place to land. Oh, there's a big pile of Portageons. There's the art fair. <laughs> Main Street, the Portageons. And I, I mentioned this uh, in, in connection with the humorousness of it. Um, the guy apparently uh, walked away completely unhurt. Um, but there was a front-page story in the U.S. Toady last week about the massive subsidies that these small airports around the country get from uh, airplane passenger tickets. Uh, uh, when you fly, you're charged a fee that subsidizes these small airports. And these subsidies, by the way, amount to billions of dollars. I mean, well, it's a lot of just in Michigan alone, there's hundreds of small airports. And it's amazing because when you contemplate, you hear all this rubbish, for instance, about how Amtrak is so expensive. You know, it's a subsidy that we can't afford. This is, you know, another uh, area of late canard, canard of uh, Republican penny wise and pound foolishness. I'm wondering if they're willing to go after the subsidies for these uh, small air, air uh, fields that are subsidized by the government well uh we're just about out of time you are listening to uh wcbn fm ann arbor this show here is gray matters and ah, okay. uh yeah, as you see the calling will be coming up shortly well there's lots of bizarre uh new items emerging from afghanistan every other day and uh a new nato chief that i want to talk about a little bit next week uh, because, after all, I have been arguing for a few years now that 
NATO is uh, sort of an obsolete organization. It doesn't really seem to serve much uh, real purpose anymore. And some of the language coming from the new uh, head of uh, NATO, a Danish uh, gentleman called uh, Anders Rasmussen, uh, sounds like he might in some ways secretly agree. So uh, 